The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, Mountain Park. Heather here. I just want to thank you for joining us. We're so glad you were able to make it this morning. When you walked in, you received a pamphlet, and that pamphlet is our communication card as well as our prayer request form. So if you want to know anything about what we do here at Mountain Park, just go ahead and fill that out. Or if you have a prayer request, we have an amazing prayer team. They just want to pray for you throughout the week. So go ahead and fill that out as well. You can put that form in the offering bag when it comes through. If you have any other questions that you want to ask anyone about, just head out into the lobby after this celebration and find someone wearing a green lanyard. They can answer any questions you might have. The other handout you received when you walked through the door was a full potential handout. Don't worry, Alan's going to walk through that entire thing with us during his message. Today, Alan is going to be talking about a new temple, which is part of the Old Testament story. And we're building a new temple at 48th and Fry. We just wanted to give you guys an update on how that's going. So I'm now in the kids area, specifically the four and five-year-olds classroom. All of our kiddos aged birth through preschool will be here, and then kids aged kindergarten through fifth grade will be upstairs. Now I am upstairs in our student center. Specifically, this is where our high school students are gonna meet. And then behind me downstairs, that's the worship center for all of our students middle school through high school, and their stage is gonna be in that back corner right over there. Here we are in the worship center. I am standing on the stage and behind me are the entrances and the exits to this place. Pretty cool, we're gonna bring over our current doors at 24th and Pecos, bring a little old over here to the new. You'll also see behind me, we have three balconies where you can sit and then off to the sides, we're gonna have a variety of seating, high top tables and couches. Finally, I'm standing on Fry Road, just east of 48th Street, and you can see the building from the north side. I hope you've enjoyed the tour. It's been a lot of fun walking you guys through it. I just wanna encourage you to keep driving by and keep praying for our new home, for the contractors and the construction workers that are working so hard on it, and the impact that we will get to have on this community because of this new home. That's exciting stuff, huh? It's fun. Uh, we're very excited about the journey that God has for us and so th uh, thankful and thrilled that you're here today to join us as we uh, continue to learn about how to do life and how to follow God. My name is Alan and uh, very glad that you're here. Um, you'll have an opportunity in the next few weeks on February 25th to gather on the new site. We're going to have a, a, a special uh, prayer gathering on that site there, and everyone is welcome to join us. So you'll be able to see it firsthand and get in and, and, and touch it, and uh, we'll give you more details on that in the upcoming weeks. It was a year ago that I did a series called Full Potential. It was a five-week series where I talked about the details of the new building and then talked about the financial reality of what it's going to take for us to, to make the, the bump up from where we are to um, uh, where we're going to go here with this new building. And that, that difference, that delta, was $2.7 million, and you guys came through uh, marvelously. And so the pledges came in at, at right at 2.7, just a little bit over 2.7. Uh, the good is that here we are one year into it, and 1.4 million of that 2.7 has come in that you have generously given towards that, which is fantastic. The, uh, that's good. That's very good. Way to go. 
Way to go. That's, that's fantastic. The, the less good is that typically on a two-year journey, uh, significantly more will come in on the first year than on the second year. And that's natural. It just, it just people change, people move uh, away, people, uh, people's financial situation changes. So as a result, in order to compensate for that, what we want to do here at the one-year mark is give an invitation for any of you who did not participate last year and for any of you who are new since we did the full potential uh, last year to invite you to see if you want to join and uh, be a part of the full potential journey to help us uh, financially get into this uh, new building. So today, I'm going to talk about why we're building the building. I'm going to talk about why anyone would want to uh, sacrificially participate in something like this. And I want to do that by looking at a great story in the Old Testament and see what we can learn from that story. That's where we're going today. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I'm so thankful as we just sang that, that you are here in this room and you change everything as a result. So God, we want to be in your, in your presence here today. We don't want, just want to talk uh, uh, human thoughts, God. We want to enter into your thoughts. We want to uh, uh, dig into your word. We want to hear from you, God. Would you help me to get out of the way so that you can have your way here in this place? We are thankful for your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, the journey that we are on this year is called Something New, and that's the theme that we've embraced for 2017. We believe that God has something new and beautiful for Mountain Park here this year, and we're going to be walking that out, something new for us corporately, something new for you individually. Last week, we looked at the new nation that God started through a man named Abraham, deep in the, in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 12, we saw how God identified Abraham, and through his family, he would start a new nation. This group of people, this family, this nation grew uh, significantly while they were slaves in Egypt. And then many of you are familiar with the Moses Exodus story where Moses freed them from slavery and they crossed the Red Sea and they traveled in the desert for 40 years and they landed in the promised land, which is modern day Israel. They landed in the promised land and eventually after some time, David became their king. And he was a great king. And David made the decision that he wanted to build a temple, build a new temple. Now, that temple has been destroyed for many years. But that plot of land on which that temple was built is one of the most significant pieces of dirt on the planet. It is a, it is a, a hugely spiritually significant place for uh, for Jews, for Christians, and for Muslims. Right now it's called the Temple Mount. And I would argue that that piece of dirt is the most significant, is the most significant piece of dirt on the planet. I, really, I, I think it is, it is the center of the world. And so what we want to start with today is why did David choose to build a structure on that piece of dirt, a piece of land that to this day is, is a huge, is fought after and talked about and, and it's gone back and forth in terms of ownership, etc. And why did David build the temple 
that many thousands of years ago in the first place. We're going to take a look at a story that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to spend all of our time in 2 Samuel chapter 7. The story will be up on the screen, but if you brought your Bibles or have an electronic Bible with you, I highly encourage you to follow with me. Check me out. Make sure I'm reading the right thing, right, and reading the right story. So I invite you to turn with me, uh, and at the beginning of this story, we look, we find out why David built the new temple in the first place. 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. After the king, David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. He said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Now, David is a young king, and he's pretty special. He has been very successful. You know the David and Goliath story. Uh, he, it doesn't take very long for him to become the one who is the king of Israel. The city of Jerusalem was a city that no one had taken in generations prior to him. David's the one who figure out, figures out how to take that city, that central, pivotal city. It becomes the city of David. The uh, Philistines have tried to overthrow the Israelites multiple times, and David stops them and knocks them aside. And so here David builds a palace in the city of David, this young, successful king. And then he has an idea. I'm going to do God a favor. I'm going to build him a house right over there. Brewed on that little mount over there. I'm going to build God a house. And Nathan, his buddy, his sidekick, his prophet, he says, whatever you want to do, whatever, you're the king. And I think this is, sounds like a great idea. Whatever you want to do. Then in the verses that follow, we find out what God thinks about David's idea. Whenever you're going to do God a favor, it's a good thing to kind of check in on how God feels about it. And God jumps in and speaks to Nathan and sheds some light on where he stands. Verse 4, but uh, that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I've not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, I read that with some level of, uh, you know, being somewhat condescending or parental, which I don't think is unreasonable in God's comment with this, uh, uh, you know what? Um, I didn't ask for a house. I don't need a house. I've done, I've done uh, pretty well on my own. I've kind of taken care of things. You know, I'm not sure I need this favor from you. I'm not sure you're as big and mighty as you think you are. Thousands of years later in Acts chapter 7, after, after Jesus has, and the whole Jesus story, there's a man named Stephen who is defending Jesus to the Jews. His life is in danger and he says to the Jews, he says, this temple that is so central to your worship and to your experience, it's not as big of a deal as you think it is. This, this, this same temple, it's actually a different temple, but it's in the same spot where David built his temple. And Stephen points to it and says, it's not as big of a deal as you think it is. He says that 
Heaven is God's throne and earth is God's footstool. Earth is God's footstool. So this little temple that you're building on this little piece of dirt on earth, it's the footstool for God. It's, it's, it's not as big of a deal. You're not as big and high and mighty as you might think you are. It seems that every generation looks at the generation that's coming behind them and just says, you know, they, they don't respect authority. They, they think they can just kind of embrace and take on things without earning them the way our generation did. And so many of you, a 20-something coming out of college, and so a 20-something, and 20-something is, is super intelligent and is going to be a great offering to a business or to a firm. And so that 20-something is not wise to enter into that new business and think, you know what? I'm going to save this place. Just kind of show me where my corner office is up high and uh, get behind me because I have all the fresh information and data and I will come in here and I will show you how to do this. That business would reasonably say to that bright 22-year-old that they're excited to have on the team because that person's going to grow and, and et cetera. That business would rightfully say, you know what? We've done fine without you. We actually got to the point where there is an office on the corner even without you. And so it's this thing of, of kind of a know your place. The first job I had when I graduated from seminary, I graduated from uh, graduate school and I had some part-time jobs, you know, throughout my whole life. And this is the first time I had a full-time job, a real job coming out of seminary. And I met with the pastor of a large church in Cincinnati. His name was Steve Shogren. And he didn't know me that well. I didn't know him that well. It wasn't an interview process. We just sat down for uh, breakfast and he was a very intuitive guy. And he just says, yep. Uh, I think you should come on staff with us. And he says, I'm, I am not exaggerating. He just looked across from me, having a very quick breakfast where he was like doing a bunch of work while he was meeting with me. And he just, he said, you know, I just need you to understand you have nothing to offer us. <laughs> he said, very clearly, he said, he said, there's nothing. We don't need anything that you have. Absolutely nothing. But I want you to come on staff with us and, and for a few years and learn how to do the job well and then move on and go somewhere else. All right, I'll get the check, and you, and you move on. I mean, that was it. I mean, just kind of, it was a 10-minute breakfast, and boom, the guy's just doing it. It kind of set me up. It put me in my place, and it was a good start for that. When do I start? Sounds awesome. <laughs> and that was my first real job, and it was just a great foundational start to say, okay, okay, there's kind of a footstool thing going on there. Uh, God continues, speaking through Nathan. He says, now then, tell my servant David... This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you rule over my ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. In other words, David, you are in that palace because of me. You're smoking that pipe because of me. So let's, let's just be cautious in terms of what this relationship is and what your role is in this journey. So here's the point for today. Here, here's the point for us as we look at this story, as we look at our something new plans and future and having an exciting journey with God. Your journey with God is not about what you can do for God. It's about what God is doing in and through you. This, this is huge. This has been a wonderful reminder for me 
this week as I've looked into this story because this journey of us building a new temple over there in the corner of 48th and Fry, it's a difficult journey. It's, it's, a, it's a stressful journey for me and for many others here in leadership as a part of your church that are helping to make this happen because people are involved. And, and, it, and it's just difficult. The financial decisions are difficult. The, um, the, the, the time decisions of whether we go this direction or that direction, there's some big and, lar- and small decisions. Some of you are familiar with the tower conversation we had last year and how that all went, uh, walked out. And, and, and are we going to be prepared for that new place? We're going to go into that, into that place that is, has a significant level of visibility. And, and how many more people are God going to bring to our church? And are there going to be more people? And are we ready for them? I am fully aware of many of the ways that we as a church uh, need work. We need, to, we need to develop in terms of how we are allowing people to connect with one another and, and to grow, and we're doing some things well, and we have a lot to learn and grow on, and, et cetera. How are we going to be ready if there are more people coming in? It stresses me out. You know why it stresses me out? Because I think it's my job to take us into that new building. I think it's my job to raise the funds so we can make it happen. I think that it is... My job to build a house for God. But you know what? God can do a pretty good job without me. My journey is not about what I can do for God. It's about what God is continuing to do in me. Your journey is not about what you can do for God. It's about what God is going to continue to do in you, your generosity, your participation, whatever way. It's about what God is doing in you. Thankfully, wonderfully, David gets this. He gets this. Let's take a look at his response. God speaks through Nathan and kind of walks this all out. Jump down to verse 18, and we see David's response. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I? Sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant, and this decree, Sovereign Lord, is for a mere human? What more can David say to you, for you know your servant, Sovereign Lord? There's this phrase that we don't use very often that David uses here in the first part of his response four times. Sovereign Lord. We, we don't sing that phrase very often. We don't use that phrase. We don't pray that, pray that phrase very often. David offers it four times here in these few verses. The word sovereign means you are the ultimate authority above all else. No doubt, no question. It's this picture Stephen paints many years later about God's throne being in heaven. And earth being his footstool. You are the sovereign Lord. Who am I to think I'm going to build you a house? And we see there's a complete switch in David. Twice here in these verses, see how he refers to himself? He refers to himself twice as a servant. This is what you're doing to your servant. At the beginning in verses 1 and 2, when he's smoking his pipe up in his palace, he's the king. The king this, the king that, the king this, the king that. <laughs> Look at me. Now he's a servant. You see, David embraces and figures out humility. He figures out humility. Human nature says, Look at me. Look at 
what I'm capable of, look at what I've done, look at what I've given, look at what I've built, look at what I've said, look at what I've accomplished. Human nature does that. Even, even very godly people in, in spiritual endeavors, it's packaged human nature as look at what I've done, look at, what's, look at what I've done. Humility says, I stand before a sovereign Lord. I'm nothing without you. I don't have the abilities that I have without you. I don't have the resources that I have without you. I am nothing without you. We are always wise to start with humility. Every good thing starts with humility. Every good thing that we can experience, every pathway towards wisdom, towards transformation, towards uh, healthy relationships, towards marriage, towards growth, towards development. Every good thing, it starts with this position of humility in terms of understanding who we are and who it is, who the God is that we are standing before. It starts with humility. We have a phrase in our culture that I find a little bit odd, that sometimes when we win an award, we use the phrase, we say, I'm so humbled by this. That, you know, we've had the People's Choice Awards and Golden Globes and a number of awards that have happened recently. And, and oftentimes in speeches and such, there's this comment, people say, I'm so humbled by this. I do not think that word means what you think it means. Is <laughs> it's really, what do you mean? You're, you, you're honored. You're thankful. I mean, you can be a lot of things, but there in that moment, as you stand on the stage in front of the spotlights, you're not humbled. It's the losers that are humbled. I mean, it's the ones who didn't get up on there. It's the ones who didn't, who worked real hard on the movies and whatever they did, who are not getting recognized. No, you in that moment of recognition, that's not a humbling moment. It's the exact opposite of humbling. Do we really understand what this means to be humbled here? As I stand on this stage with the lights on me right now, I am honored. I am in, I've been here a little over 11 years, and I am honored to be a pastor here at Mountain Park, to be a part of the journey that God is taking us on, to be a part of this move into our new temple. I am absolutely honored by that. And I want you to understand, I'm humbled this year by this process, by this journey. I'm humbled because it's really difficult. It's really hard. It's, it has, um, you know, my, my wife recently, she said to me, she said, Alan, if somebody wrote a check for a million dollars, and it could happen, it's happened in some other places, not here, but it's happened, it has happened. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, I've heard stories, I've, I've known some people, you know, led situations like this, and we're in Ahwatukee, I know some of you have resources where you could do something like that, and, just, and my wife said, if somebody had written a million dollar check, what's the likelihood, Alan, that you would think you were something pretty special. We got this whole thing taken care of. You're struggling with building your building? Well, look at what we've done over here. What's the likelihood? See, that's a question only a wife can ask. That's a, that is a, that is a, mmm. It's a, it's a good question, though. This, this piece of how much in this journey am I looking at, at all this and saying, you know what? What kind, of a, what kind of an important role uh, do I play in this? 
And it's, and, and it's humility that breaks through that. It's humility that, that crashes through that. And let me just be clear. Um, if someone is ready to write a million-dollar check, <laughs> the lesson of humility is, is taken care of. I'm good. You're not going to ruin that. You're not going to break God's lesson to me about that, okay? So if someone wants to, you know, do it so that we can do some less penny, penny pinching and where we are right now in terms of finishes on the building, that would be great. Get us over the hump of the 2.7. That would be great. I'm just saying. But God understood this very well. Uh, uh, David understood this very well. It's not about what I do for God. That, that's not the whole journey. That's not, that's not what we want said about us at the end. It's about what we allow God to do in us. It's about what we allow God to do in us. So here we look at this story. And uh, how can we learn about our new temple as we look at the new temple that David was, um, uh, was a part of and how God taught him through that? We learned at the beginning of this that David started off with, with some questionable motives. In the first few ver- verses, he's talked about him, you know, doing a favor for God. I want to build a house for God. And so we got to ask ourselves, okay, why are we doing this? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of this, that, and the other thing. Why are we building this new building? Many of you have already seen this, but this is uh, somewhat of a different explanation in terms of why we're building this building. Check it out. This is a good spot, we all like it a whole lot But they're gonna build a freeway, a highway Straight through the lot, calling, driving Doing a land search, 48th and Fry Road. We're gonna build a new church. A dot, oh man. You and I gotta understand. A dot, oh man. After 20 years, they got a plan. A dot, oh man. We'll be moving to a different land. A dot, oh man. They're gonna come in and tear it down. We'll be singing hallelujah. We'll be singing hallelujah. We'll be singing hallelujah. We got kicked out, but listen to me. We got kicked out, but listen to me. We got kicked out, but listen to me. Sunday morning, we'll be in a new spot. Don't you worry, just watch. church and the people in it what if we don't want to go here is something you gotta know we're from Chandler our two key and all the seats are filled in if we show up that's all we need because the church is not the building a dot oh man you and I gotta understand a dot oh man after 20 years they gotta plan a dot oh man we'll be moving to a different land a dot oh man they're gonna come singing hallelujah we'll be singing hallelujah we'll be singing hallelujah we got kicked out but listen to me we got kicked out but listen to me we got kicked out but listen to me sunday morning we'll be in a new spot don't you worry just watch come on 
You're very kind. Uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun. We did that last year, and uh, I hadn't seen that in a long time uh, before this weekend. And a couple things that are, uh, if you're new to the whole process, there are a couple things that are different from that video. One is it said spring of 2017. That's changed. It's now uh, August or, or so of two, uh, here of this year. And so uh, stress. Uh, and then another one is, uh, and many of you know this story, that that big glass tower up at the top there, uh, we're not going to, that's not part of the structure anymore. We're not doing that because nobody wrote the million dollar check. Uh, and so... <laughs> So they, we, just, we just found, you know, we want to be responsible with the resources, and we just found that wasn't going to be, uh, we weren't going to be able to afford to, to put that up there. But, um, but the point on the video is that, uh, is that we're moving because we have to. I mean, we just, this is a decision that ADOT needs this spot, and so we've got to make it true. We don't, we, you know, we, we have to move. And so we're, we're positive about it, and we're excited about it. We don't, we don't uh, uh, have to move. You and I get to move. So ADOT is coming in, and we, and we have to move. That's kind of the deal. Why do we have to do this? But there's more to it than that. There's significantly more to it than that. And here's what I, what I just love pulling out of this Second Samuel uh, uh, chapter 7 piece is that God doesn't need any building in order to have a significant impact here in this community. Doesn't need, any, doesn't need any of the dollars that we pour into this. God doesn't need that beautiful building in order to impact hearts and change lives. Not for a second do we think that God needs that. He is a sovereign Lord who can do whatever God wants. At the same time, however, through doing ministry for quite some time, we've learned that in this culture, at this time in human history, people respond well to a gathering place. People respond well, visitors, newcomers, etc., to a place where their children are going to be safe, they're going to have fun, and, and it's going to be, um, and uh, it's just going to be a great environment for kids. People respond well. People will respond well to a, a cafe area underneath that will have uh, high quality offerings and that this place will be open uh, throughout the week and we'll, we're going to develop and figure out how to make this place so that uh, students can come and, and study and people can come work and bring their laptops and this will be a great hangout area that is wrapped around Pecos Park and it's got the school right across the street and families can come and hang out in an indoor playground area and this can be a place, an offering to the community. People will respond well to that. People will respond well to the second floor that has these uh, 
rooms with a big glass wall that overlooks the South Mountain, and so that a number of different gathering spaces and events can happen up in that, in that area. And then on the top, on the, on, the, on the roof of the whole place, there's going to be a covering on that whole thing so that in an open area with thousands of square feet, we're going to be able to do weddings or yoga or a number of different events up there. People are going to respond well to that. God doesn't need any of that. God's not impressed by any of that. It's just a dot on his footstool. We're, we're, God doesn't need us to do any of this. That's not what this is all about. But God is working in our hearts. He's working in my heart. He's working in many of our hearts as we make this transition, as we trust God through it, as we walk this out, as we see how this place is going to have significant impact on generations, generations to come. As a result of this place, thousands, thousands of families are going to be impacted by the love, by the transformational love of Christ. Thousands of families as they have been here in this place where people gave sacrificially so that we could be sitting in this room. And it's generations after, in the same way that you've been impacted, it's generations after generations that are going to be impacted. And as we continue to gather, millions of dollars over the years are going to be gathered and collected that we can give away to love and minister to people here in the city and around the world. God is not impressed with any of this structure, but God is going to use it in a powerful way, we believe, and we get to be part of that. Here's what I love about uh, the story that is told here in 2 Samuel and God's response to, to David's sort of uh, self-centered uh, initial offering to God. I love how God responds here. Let me back up to a little bit more of, of what God says to David through Nathan, backing up to verse 12. Here's where we find what's referred to as the Davidic covenant. It's a promise that God makes to David. When your days are over, David, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And there's a double meaning to this promise that God gives David. The first meaning is, is obvious that it would be his flesh and blood, his son Solomon, who ends up actually building this beautiful temple. And, uh, and so, you know, David makes this suggestion and God, you know, blesses it anyway. That God can do, even through our imperfection, can God can do something even greater than we possibly imagined. But there's a whole second level to this promise God gives to David. A second level that David would have had no clue on, that out of David's flesh and blood, out of his lineage, one day there would be a, a king, a successor, who would have a kingdom that would truly endure and rule forever. And that's Jesus of Nazareth. And so this is both a picture of what is to come in the next generation, and it's a picture of Jesus coming many years later. I love God's response to David's imperfection. That David at the beginning of this chapter is a little high on himself. And God, instead of looking at that and responding by saying, by saying I'm going to squish you. Instead of, you know, God whose, whose throne is in heaven, looking down and just going, I'll squish you, squish. I'll squish your face, squish. 
I'll squish you. That's what God could do. He could do that. If you screwed up, you screwed up. I'm going to use somebody else. You screwed up. I'm going to use somebody else. You screwed up. God doesn't do that. What God does is he says, David, I'm going to teach you something through this. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in humility. And then I'm going to do something greater than you could possibly have imagined through your offspring. That's our God. That's our God. That's the God that we interact with, that we get to to work out our imperfections with. Sometimes the greatest life-changing moments of our life, they don't flow from our wisdom or from our hard work or from our efforts or from our abilities. Sometimes the greatest life-changing moments of our lives they flow from our mistakes. They, they come out of our imperfections. They come out of our insecurities. Because we don't have a God who just says, you screwed up, I'll squish you. We have a God who over and over and over again offers grace. And it is a, it is a, it is a beautiful thing that God comes in and just, and just, and just takes us to a place that's greater than we could possibly have imagined. It's not about what we do for God. It's about what God does in us. So this week, as, as most weeks, I, I had to write an outline for the message and so that there's a printed thing that you get. I had to write that and get it in by a certain time. And so there's a, there's a journey for me every week where I get pretty excited where I get my outline done. Whew, got it done. We got it. I'm going to survive another week, you know. And so I get this. And I was pretty excited this Wednesday in my office. Got the outline done. Excited because uh, I am excited about the new temple. I'm excited about, about inviting uh, some new people to come be a part of that and how that connects with 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'm excited about this concept of it's not about what we do for God. It's what God does in us, and I kind of got this outline together, and I literally stood up from my chair, took the pen that I was writing the outline on on a pad of paper, stood up, I've never done this before, but I stood up, took the pen, and went, (laughs) drop the mic. I've never done, I've seen my kids do that, I think I've always wanted to do that, so I was in the privacy of my office, and I dropped the mic on that outline, and then I thought, Oops, that's, I thought, that's, that's sort of the whole point. That's sort of the whole point of the message. Because I guess I was thinking, you know, you guys need to learn this. But here I am dropping the mic. We're so prone to take credit for stuff. We're so prone to say, look at me, to say, look what I'm offering or whatever, whatever. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about this building. It's about God working in and through all of us beyond us, beyond our generation. God is is doing something great and God will continue to do something great. Here, this uh, card, if if you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out, but there's this card that says full potential. And for those of you who have not had the opportunity to participate in this and, and, and in terms of your giving, this is a way for you to play your role in the story. The whole idea is, I need to play my role. You need to play your role. Let them play their role and let God direct the whole thing. 
Let God be the director of the whole thing. And if God wants to change this or, or reduce that or increase that, that's God's deal. It's his temple. It's his timing. All of that stuff. This is an invitation for you to say, how, what kind of a role can I play in the story that God is telling? So what this says here, it says, between now and February 2018, I will increase my giving by. So if you would like to jump in on the second year of this two-year journey, we invite you to consider how you would participate in, in over, and over, your, uh, um, over and above regular giving towards the new temple so that we can move towards the 2.7 million. And if we go past that, then we dip into debt and we cut out the debt that we are taking so that we can uh, make this move over there. We just want to invite you into that. We invite you to take this home, to think about it, pray about it, put it up on the fridge, and just kind of think, you know, is, is this something that you're interested in participating in? If this is a role that you believe God has for you here? If you already know that, you can fill it out. There, there are um, uh, containers, there are buckets uh, on your way out that you could just drop those in if you want to jump in and be a part of this. If you have any questions, feel free to track me down. I'll hang out here afterwards. We can talk about it in terms of what this journey is. But we don't do this, we don't, we don't do sacrificial giving. My, my, my family and I, we don't do this because, because we're trying to impress God or because God needs me. We, we don't do this, we don't participate in this because, uh, because God needs us to do this or because we're going to impress God. We do this because I want God to move in me. I want God to... To, to have his way in me, in us. It's not about what we do for God. It's about what God does in us. I want, we want to close with, a, with another song. As we head into that, would you stand up? I want to pray with you, and then the band's going to lead us in a final song. Let's pray together. God, I'm so thankful for your story once again. I'm thankful for the model, um, the imperfection of David, that he was a, a man after your own heart, and yet we see that he stumbled. He stumbled with, with this temple piece. He stumbled with, with Bathsheba, and yet even through that situation, once again, God, you redeem it, and it's their child who is Solomon, the one who builds the temple. God, you, you, are, you are in the business of redeeming. You're in the business of taking our imperfections, our mistakes, working in us and doing great things. So God, would you come and do that here at Mountain Park, here at this place? Would you come and continue to prepare us for, uh, for the new temple, for what you want to do there? We know you don't need that building, but I believe you're going to use it in powerful ways. So God, come and help us to be together as we figure this out, as we draw closer to you. It's in your son's amazing, graceful, redeeming name that we pray. Amen.